gruesome discovery in a berry field. Is it connected to lower mainland gang violence? Winter whiteout in the Fraser Valley. Just stay in the car, stay warm and stay safe. And slick conditions on the Sea to Sky Highway. How long the cold blast will last? She wanted the police to attend uh, to assist her in having her nail polish color changed. Emergency dispatchers share their terrible top 10, the worst 911 calls of the year. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. We start with breaking news. The integrated homicide investigation team has been called out to a rural area of Abbotsford tonight where a body has been found in a field. Reporter Paul Johnson is near there. And Paul, this all started with reports of a shooting. Yeah, Chris, Abbotsford police say they got a call shortly after 2 o'clock of a possible shooting when they got out here to this location they say they found a single man dead presumably from a gunshot wound now this is in the matsqui area of abbotsford this is a rural farmland type of area full of blueberry fields and cornfields the crime scene is a good distance behind us here out in the fields we asked Abbotsford police if they think the shooting happened here. They say they're still investigating whether it happened here or whether it took place somewhere else. But at this point, they've now passed this investigation on to the integrated homicide investigation team, which is standard in a case like this. But tonight, we can tell you something that a lot of you are going to find terribly <coughs> familiar. Another man found dead in what they believe was a targeted killing. And at this point, the killer or killers still on the loose. Chris. And Paul, I know uh, details are few and far between right now, but IHIT has given us some indication they've got an update ready to go in the next little while here, right? Yeah, we're expecting to hear from IHIT uh, in about an hour, so we may have more information about this to pass on to you later tonight at News Hour Final. Okay, details online and on News at 11 as well. Paul, thanks very much. Reporting to us from Abbotsford. Now let's talk about the weather situation and breaking details of some dangerous conditions developing. Meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with the risk of freezing rain, and it's already occurring, Christy. That's right, Chris. The roads from Abbotsford east through Chilliwack to Hope were a mess today. Near whiteout conditions with winds gusting up to 77 kilometers per hour. They've seen snow and freezing rain for much of the day. The highways were like ice rinks with reports of nearly two centimeters of snow in some areas. Now, the entire Fraser Valley is still under a freezing rain warning right now. Do not head out on the roads tonight. Conditions will be far better tomorrow morning, Chris. All right, we'll get the details a little bit later. And here's another Another look at some of those slippery, very challenging conditions on the roads. A group of students needed rescuing when they became stuck on Highway 1 just west of Hope. Thankfully, there were plenty of good Samaritans out there today to give them a hand. We're going to Kelowna. 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 You didn't get very far. Yeah, I stopped halfway, I guess. I don't even know if we're halfway or not. <laughs> yeah. And now you're stuck. Yeah. First time experiencing this. An off-duty firefighter and other passers-by stopped to help, and after a little digging out, they were on their way again. Put it in reverse. Go back. Okay, keep coming until I say. Keep coming nice and slow. Keep coming. Okay, now stop. Okay? Now you're going to drive. Ready? Put it in slow, and you're just going to go that way. 
They're so nice. So you're back on the road? Yeah, heading back on our journey to Kelowna. Good luck. All right, thank you. Well, that is not the only area getting hit hard. The Sea to Sky Highway is treacherous in some areas, too. Our Aaron MacArthur is near Squamish tonight, and Aaron Highway 99 got hammered today as well. Yeah, hammered's a good word. Uh, the snow started falling about Murin Provincial Park, just south of Squamish, and it snowed all the way to Whistler this afternoon. The road was a disaster. People simply unprepared. North of Lions Bay, the Sea to Sky Highway turned from wet to slushy to icy. Truck drivers forced to either chain up or spin out. It broke like four out of the chains. Uh, you know, nobody hopping so far. So still waiting for the tow truck. Between Britannia and Squamish, the rain turned to snow, and the real problems began. Just off the highway, the snow 30 centimeters deep. The hill between Alice Lake and the Big Orange Bridge was littered with cars and trucks. Drivers caught unprepared for the conditions. Trying to go north uh, in Whistler. I gotta work. Well, how come your face is in that way? <laughs> because I'm slippery. You see, if someone stops in front of you, then you're, you're hooped. Tow truck drivers, busy all afternoon up and down the Sea to Sky Highway, frustrated at everyone's lack of preparation. Even snow tires don't work on ice especially on these hills. And then you get these guys with no chains on their truck. And no, look at this guy. They just, they just don't know how to drive. Now that steep hill just north of here, uh, just north of Alice Lake was, was a parking lot for a lot of the afternoon. People just simply couldn't make it up. And if you lost your momentum, you were finished. You were just stuck there. The backup past Alice Lake here, almost to Brackendale, only in the last hour or so has that cleaned up. The road is still bad. Compact snow here, icier sections farther towards Whistler. They have the variable speed sign at 80 right now. It just went to 80. It's been 60 for the better part of two hours. And the word from everybody, RCMP, sand, sand truck drivers, uh, plows, go slow. Get to Whistler safe. All right, good advice. Thanks very much for that. And weather also played a part in a dramatic rescue in Fernie. Check out these pictures. This was back on December 21st. Firefighters posting them on social media called out when a truck slid off the highway and into the Elk River. Crews responded with water and ice rescue gear to reach the driver who was then placed on an inflatable boat and taken to shore. Paramedics then worked to warm him up and take him to hospital where he was checked over. Incredibly lucky to get out of there okay and great work in challenging conditions by the firefighters. Tonight an arrest in connection with a shooting that sent one man to hospital on December 23rd. It happened at a coffee shop in the 13500 block of 105th Avenue, sending the victim to hospital with serious injuries. 34-year-old Sun Tai Lu of Surrey is now charged with several serious offenses, including attempted murder, aggravated assault, and assault with a weapon. Police say Lu is known to them and to the victim. Now, opponents of violence against women held a march and rally in Vernon this morning in advance of a court date for Curtis Sagmoen. Sagmoen is charged with several counts related to alleged threats against a sex trade worker in the North Okanagan. It was his fourth court appearance, and today a judge granted a request by Sagmoen's lawyer for a further extension of his arraignment, but did so reluctantly. 
Sagmoen is due back in court via video link January 11th. He lived on a property where the remains of Vernon teenager Tracy Genero were found. Charges have not been laid in connection with that discovery. And a vigil is underway this evening in Kelowna to remember Clara Foreman and her young daughters Karina and Yesenia. All three were found murdered in the family's Rutland home just days before Christmas. Jacob Foreman, Clara's husband and father of the two girls, is charged with three counts of second-degree murder. He returns to court in Kelowna in the new year. And a candlelight vigil will be held this weekend for two sisters found dead in an Oak Bay apartment on Vancouver Island on Christmas Day. Six-year-old Chloe and four-year-old Aubrey Berry, the victims of homicide. Police have not yet said how the girls died or what injuries their father, Andrew Berry, is being treated for in hospital. Charges have not been laid, but police say they are not looking for suspects. A vigil for the girls will be held on Saturday at a beach where they like to play. Staff at the Canada Post facility in Richmond next to YVR were forced to evacuate the building this morning. RCMP called in to investigate reports of a suspicious package. A perimeter was set up around the area as a precaution, and the RCMP explosives disposal unit was contacted. The package was ultimately determined to be safe, and employees were then allowed to return to work. Vancouver police arresting 25 suspects in connection with theft from auto in the days leading up to Christmas. In an attempt to curb the amount of break-ins this holiday season, a group of officers focused on parking locations in the downtown core, known to be targeted by property crime offenders. More than 80 charges are now being recommended. There are a relatively small number of offenders that typically will do a large portion of the crime. So that can have a big influence. When somebody's arrested and put in jail, we could see a dip in our numbers. And the opposite of that is we can see an increase when a few of these offenders are out of custody. Frustration today for a no-kill animal protection society hoping to open a brand new animal hospital in Richmond in January. Their plans are being held up by a bureaucratic quirk. Lynn Collier explains why a recent name change for the organization has stopped construction. And we have Bonnie Boy. Uh, Bonnie, Bonnie is Boy, one yes, of 500 cats at the Cat Sanctuary in Richmond, okay. a no-kill shelter run by RAPS, the Regional Animal oh, Protection sorry. Society. That's a good girl. With this many cats, there are hundreds of vet visits. Yeah. We have cats that are hyperthyroid. We have cats that are diabetic. We have cats that have heart murmurs. Um, a lot of them are just on, uh, they have an infection. In order to cut down on veterinary costs, RAPS has been working on a new animal hospital. Uh, what you're looking at right here is the reception area. The so space the was donated by Applewood be, Nissan, uh, and donations have brought them this far. But construction has ground to a halt over their the name, specifically the word regional. We're very concerned because we're not allowed to use regional animal protection society. We're not allowed to use the word regional in anything that we do. Okay. And the College of Veterinarians of BC regulates new clinics. It took issue with the word regional, thinking it would make people believe this was the go-to hospital in the region. So to avoid confusion, um, we want to avoid the name regional being part of the title of the hospital. But of course we have no issue with RAPS uh, running the hospital. So where do we turn to? What do we do? Like, we're very confused, we're very scared. We're scared about saying the wrong thing. Or using the wrong word. But the college says it didn't understand work had to be stopped because of the word regional. Uh, I did not realize 
anything about this contractual problem until I today read the letter dated December 25. I'm optimistic that we can find a resolution uh, in January. Hi, Rue. Raps is now hopeful because every month that goes by costs them $50,000 in overhead and leaves their cats at risk. It is very heartbreaking. We need it approved. We need to take care of our cats. Lynn Collier, Global News. It's no surprise New Year's Eve revelers often pay a premium to ring in the new year. But if you're heading to Whistler, you better have really deep pockets. According to a survey by CheapHotels.org, the cheapest available double room in the resort town will run you at least $745 a night. And that's if you can find one. Whistler topped the cross-Canada rankings for most expensive overnight New Year's Eve destinations, while Vancouver came in at number seven. And remember, that doesn't include dinner or the party. And here's one way to save some money that night. TransLink is offering a safe and a free ride on New Year's Eve from 5 p.m. on Sunday until 5 a.m. on Monday. Passengers can expect more frequent service and extended hours on buses, SkyTrain, and Canada Line this New Year's Eve. C-Bus service hours have also been extended. Extra staff and transit police will be on the system to help control the crowd. And here's another way to save money if you're looking for something to do this New Year's Eve. We call it News Year Eve. Come join us for Concord Pacific's New Year's Eve Vancouver down at Canada Place. We'll be broadcasting the News Hour and News at 11 live There's fireworks for the kids at 9 and again at midnight and a free street party with lots of entertainment and food and fun for the whole family, including musical guests as well. Hope to see you there. What happens when a love of video games goes too far? Believe it or not, the World Health Organization is considering a new classification for those who just can't stop gaming. What makes the game so addictive and how to treat it in just over a minute? Police body cameras captured the frantic moments immediately after a fiery car crash. What they did to get everyone out, still to come on the news hour. And investigators released the 911 calls from the Amtrak train crash in Washington State. How they capture the chaos later. Right now, though, the World Health Organization is adding a new mental health disorder to its list. And this one is a sign we're living in the digital age. As John Wall reports, the World Health Organization believes video games can have a negative impact on mental health, leading to a condition that didn't even exist even a few decades ago. Come on, Roach. The worlds are absolutely massive. Stay with me, come on. The graphics so stunning, it's hard to believe. But for some, playing video games can come with real-life pitfalls. My worst peak inside a 72-hour window, I was gaming for 64 of it. Andrew McDonald is a former gaming addict, playing EVE Online on his computer, once all-consuming. The minute you have downtime, your brain starts kicking for it again. The need to pick up the control pad nearly costing Cam Adair his life. I was gaming 16 hours a day, super depressed, eventually wrote a suicide note, and that's where I knew I needed to make a change. Their struggles will now be officially recognized as a mental health disorder by the World Health Organization in 2018. While for most, playing video games is a harmless pastime, it can wreak havoc on the lives of others. Usually, it begins with things like avoiding responsibilities, day-to-day responsibilities, doing homework, um, showing up late to work, missing school. And experts say the way many video games are being developed today can contain key triggers for addicts 
lot of new games are open world and never ending, offer continuous quick rewards or trophies with no real risk, and the ability to share online offers a social aspect. Back in the day, uh, if you were a really big video gamer, you were looked at like a nerd or a geek or someone that hides out in their basement and plays video games all day. Um, nowadays, you can be a celebrity. Time to move. Take the famed online gamer PewDiePie. This YouTube video alone getting 3.6 million views. As the industry evolves, experts say the conversation about the risks on mental health must as well. This is a move um, also designed um, to send a, a clear warning to, to video game companies that they, they don't want to overdo it when they're making a game. By getting help, Andrew McDonald focusing now on triathlons instead of time online, knowing what it feels like to achieve goals outside of gaming. John Hua, Global News. Coming up, a horse owner who feels like she's under attack. It appears that the animal just jumped over the fence. She says her horse has been repeatedly mauled, but what's really causing the injuries? And makeup pulled from the shelves, the toxic substance that could be in it. Coming up. The hunt is on tonight in Anmore for some type of animal, possibly a cougar that's repeatedly attacked a thoroughbred horse. And as Nadia Stewart reports, it's happened despite some extraordinary measures being taken by the horse's owner. So it appears that the animal just jumped over the fence and he hooked his foot on the wire and ripped it out. Sylvia and Swan is dealing with an intruder on her Anmore property, one that's been attacking her beloved horse, Monty. You can see it there. And this isn't the first so. time. And in, in March, he also got him up here on this side, and he also got him up here, and he has several bites in this area. So, Fed up with the repeated attacks, she stepped up security. And you can see the hot wire goes all along the top and all the way around the top. Everywhere she can put it, really. There's also silt fencing and floodlights on timers. Anything to try and deter the suspected attacker. And for a cougar to take down or try to take down a large animal like a 1,200-pound horse, you know, he would have to be... He would have to be desperate. It might not be a puncture. It might this is not the first time conservation officers have been called in to inspect. But last year, their investigation was inconclusive. They could not definitively say what was attacking the horse. This year, there seems to be a bit more certainty. What I found so far is uh, a possible claw mark. My best uh, estimate that it is, uh, in fact, from a cougar, given some of the circumstances of the topography around here. So traps have been laid. Swan and her neighbors are on alert. So I'm going to put up silt fence along here to block his vision. And uh, that way he can't, he can't uh, prey on him, right? Hoping this time the culprit can be caught so everyone can rest easy. Nadia Stork, Global News. And now an incident that shocked the community and the country. The shooting death of Abbotsford Police Constable John Davidson. Jeff Hastings looks back on one of the top BC stories of 2017, that saw an outpouring of support for both the force and the family. A Monday morning, November 6th, a speeding Mustang is rammed to a halt on a busy Abbotsford street. Then police open fire. It wasn't immediately clear what had happened, but it was obvious it was bad. A few blocks away in a strip mall parking lot, a blue truck with bullet holes. And an Abbotsford police officer on the ground. Constable John Davidson was shot responding to a stolen vehicle complaint. Our injured APD officer was pronounced dead at the hospital shortly after he arrived. Uh, our priority is going to be in supporting the family and each other. And that's exactly what Abbotsford did. There's somebody who's every day 
putting their life on the line for the citizens that they're serving. Constable John Davidson had served the city for over a decade after arriving from the UK. He was well known for his time as a school resource officer. I know my son, he can remember him coming to the school and, um, you know, they talk with him and everything and he said he was just a wonderful man. The police station became a meeting place, an ever-growing memorial to a man being called a hero. He wasn't just a, a colleague or a friend, he was family. We, we all became family. He definitely was a hero. We're just so sad and we miss him deeply. As Abbotsford mourned, the man accused of Constable Davidson's murder is in hospital. His name is Oscar Arfman, an Albertan said to be living in an RV in the Abbotsford area. Mr. Arfman does not have a criminal record. We're looking into the, his history from, from Alberta. A troubling picture emerges of the accused, of a mean drunk not the same after he lost his wife. He'd be watching TV and he'd be talking to himself. He'd be talking to his hands, he'd look in the mirror and he's thinking of his demons and talking about weird things. Constable Davidson has returned to Abbotsford. The Fraser Valley stops as their hero heads home. November 19th, the sound of thousands of boots in the rain. First responders marching to the regimental funeral, a celebration of the life of Constable John Davidson. We hear for the first time from the fallen officer's family, their grief shared with thousands, their admiration for the man they lost, clear. It's hard to properly capture in words just how special Dad was. In a way that does him justice. <laughs> she can't replace him, but appreciates every generous attempt to ease days recently past, present, and future without him for her and the family. The loss of John Davidson has drawn people closer. His family, his force, and his city will not forget his sacrifice. John died doing what we asked him to do. Uh, we honor John by looking after his family. We honour John by looking after each other. And we honour John by protecting this community. Jeff Hastings, Global News, Abbotsford. And more proof police are willing to put their lives on the line in a fiery crash caught on camera. Willis is in the car! Good thing some heroes saw the whole thing and jumped in to help. And brutal cold across the United States. When will it bottom out? A dramatic rescue in Milwaukee. Police body cameras capture the moment officers pull two people from a burning vehicle. Those officers in the right place at the right time to rescue three teenagers. They spotted the vehicle careen into a utility pole just moments before. A car filled with teens crashes into a utility pole and spins out of control. Two Milwaukee police officers see the accident unfold from their squad car. It's going to be a shock originally when you see that kind of car accident. You see the fire, but you know there's going to be people in the car. Body camera video shows the officers running towards the fiery crash at 54th and Billard without hesitating the night after Christmas. I knew the car had the potential to become engulfed, but uh, that's, at the time that's not what we were thinking. Uh, we were just thinking, keep going until everybody's out. Witnesses hear a pop as their electricity goes out. And we looked outside and we seen that the car was turned over and it was actually on fire. They watched from their window as police worked to rescue three people inside. And I just seen one police officer. He was uh, knocking out the window on the driver's side and he pulled out a guy in a red shirt. 
The officers pulled out two unconscious teenagers. A third crawled out on his own. We knew that we had to get those kids out because of the fire. So that was our first instinct. In the right place at the right time and the courage to act fast. But the partners, known as the Nick Squad, since they share the same name, say it was just another day on the job. We weren't exactly sure this would be such a big thing. The release of 911 recordings is shedding new light on the panic that occurred moments after the deadly train crash near Seattle last week. Okay, how many patients are there, do you think? Um, sir, I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, probably a dozen. That's just a sample of dozens of calls. In the end, three people were killed and nearly a hundred injured. It happened on the inaugural run for Amtrak 501 when the train took a 30-mile-an-hour curve at what investigators say was nearly 80 miles an hour. Cameras inside the cab show the engineer appears to realize the train is going too fast six seconds before the crash, but he never pulled the emergency brakes. Well, much of B.C. is dealing with wintry weather, but it's a lot worse for residents in eastern Canada and across the U.S. Toronto broke a 57-year-old record when the temperature there dipped to minus 22 this morning. The extreme cold is also causing big problems south of the border. Brutally cold. It's bad. I wish I could go on vacation already. Bone-chilling temperatures aren't going anywhere anytime soon. I might have dressed a little bit too late today. In Minnesota, veterans of winter misery, waterfalls no longer falling. Car accidents galore, nearly 500 by midday. In Erie, PA, the big dig-out from record snowfall continues. I'm running out of places to throw the snow. Hospital staff spending the night, some getting a lift to work by the National Guard. Even Nashville is singing the winter blues below freezing much of the day. The middle of my body is very cold right now yeah. because I have no layers on. In Chicago, mail carrier Quintanelio Hardy has been at this for 20 years, layered for today's single-digit wind chill. Rain, sleet, snow, ice. You guys have to be out here. What's it like? Uh, it's rough. They keep us prepared and watching the weather, so that, that keeps us abreast of what's going on out here. So far, one person has died in Chicago during this cold snap. Wind chills added to the misery. 30 below in Glasgow, Montana, 25 below in Bangor, Maine, International Falls, Minnesota, 23 below. That kind of cold makes hypothermia a real threat. Symptoms, intense shivering, slurred speech, sudden confusion, frostbite setting in on exposed skin in a matter of minutes depending on wind speed. In New Hampshire, the Mount Washington Observatory set a daily record, a staggering wind chill of 89 below. And in New York City, fountains in midtown Manhattan, mountains of ice. Way too cold for me. <laughs> a frigid party on tap at one of the biggest New Year's Eve celebrations on the planet. Ron Mott, NBC News, Chicago. In Health Matters tonight, popular youth accessories chain Claire's is pulling more than a dozen items from its shelves after tests found asbestos in some products. A woman who works at a law firm in the state sent her six-year-old's glitter makeup kit to an independent lab for testing, and it came back with traces of tremolite asbestos, a toxic cancer-causing material. Claire's has since pulled the products and is conducting a full investigation. A spokesperson for the company says the makeup was sold at stores in Canada as well. And good news for anyone who has implanted pacemakers or defibrillators, you can now safely have an MRI. Many people with older implantable heart devices have been told not to get an MRI, 
But a U.S. study has found when proper protocols are followed, MRI imaging is safe. The findings are significant since about half to three-quarters of people with these devices will need an MRI during their lifetime. Sometimes calling 911 is the right thing to do, and sometimes it's not. Vancouver Police Emergency. The top 10 dumbest calls to emergency dispatch of the year. And here in Oink, there in Oink, the incredible story of Christopher the Traveling Pig. Vancouver Police Emergency. Turns out a lot of people in Metro Vancouver are a little unclear on the concept of an emergency. The most absurd 911 calls of 2017 coming up right after this weather update from Christy that includes some breaking news. Christy. That's right, Chris. So Environment Canada has just issued now a freezing rain warning for the Howe Sound area. It looks like conditions have eased off on the roads in terms of the snow falling, but there still is the potential of freezing rain. And you can see the roads there. Look, this guy looks like he's about to cross the road there. It is slick out there, even though the snow is eased off. Uh, do not head out on these roads until tomorrow morning. You'll have a little bit of a gap tomorrow morning and conditions will be far better. So now that freezing rain warning for the Howe Sound region uh, especially up towards Squamish, and then still the Fraser Valley, although I've had reports now that conditions have eased up in Abbotsford and in Mission with the worst conditions right now, Chilliwack out towards Hope, and that's where they also have a snowfall warning. Hope has had a ton of snow through the day today, and the highways east of Hope, Coquihalla, Allison Pass, even Highway 1, are a mess. Whiteout conditions in those regions, and it won't ease off until much later this evening. These are the conditions out there right now, so we're on the back edge of this system. It will drop to the south, but we're really not expecting it to ease off until maybe um, 9, 10 o'clock at night. So uh, do not head out on those roads at all. Early tomorrow morning is a good time to head out. You can see much drier conditions right across the region, although this system here is quickly approaching. So through the morning hours, we are going to be back right into the same type of scenario that we're seeing today with Metro Vancouver seeing uh, periods of rain. But then Abbotsford east towards Hope, snow, mix of rain and snow, ice out that way, and also ice from the House Sound region up towards Whistler and then anywhere east or north of there, snow. So that little window is tomorrow morning for your travels, everyone. Now, for the North Coast, periods of snow, it will be very light. It's more so the extreme cold from BC Peace River all the way up towards Whitehorse. Wind chills close to minus 40 in some areas. That means if you're outside, in 10 minutes you have a risk of frostbite if you're not covered up. Down through the south, these regions, you'll see the snow develop through the morning hours. Again, it's pushing in from the south. And for the south coast region, dry in the early morning hours, and then the rain shifts in through the region. Squamish, Chilliwack, Abbotsford, all of those areas are risk of freezing rain again tomorrow with that possibility of a mix of rain and snow. For Metro Vancouver, we'll see light conditions in the morning, developing to rain in the afternoon, Chris, clearing there, and then we will see dry, cold conditions right through until New Year's. Happy birthday to Cristino Ficocelli and Linda Yale. Congratulations to you both, and I'll leave you with, of course, the ice in Mission. Thanks to Sherry for that one. Oh, that's trouble when it gets on the roads, but beautiful mm -hmm. in that photo. Thanks very much, Christy. Well, 911 calls are supposed to be for emergencies only, but a lot of people don't seem to know exactly what an emergency is. Some of the calls to ECOM would be considered downright comical if it wasn't for the fact that they divert critical resources from people who really need them. Jordan Armstrong reports on the top 10 terrible calls. 
Vancouver Police Emergency. 1.3 million calls come into ECOM every year. Most are real emergencies. Can you tell me the location of your emergency? But if you can believe it, there was not one, not two, but three calls this year about salons refusing to change the color of nail polish. Not same person, hopefully. (laughs) Christy Duncan answered one of the calls. So she wanted the police to attend uh, to assist her in having her nail polish color changed or having a refund on her money. Other calls on the top 10 list are just as bad. Number two, car refusing to move forward at a gas station pump. Number three, to report food was inedible and the restaurant was refusing to provide a refund. Number four, complaining the tenant moved without returning the keys. And number five, calling because someone had parked in their parking spot. Every call that comes in here, we have to treat as a legitimate emergency. And figuring out it's not takes a series of questions and several minutes. Those minutes are potentially preventing someone else from getting through. Rounding out the top 10 at number 6, wondering if a washroom closed sign at a beach was legitimate. Number 7, complaining gas station would not accept coins for payment. Number 8, calling to ask if raccoons are dangerous animals. Number 9, asking if there's a law preventing washing clothes at 6 a.m. And number 10, calling to check the time after the fall time change. This is our fifth year in putting out our annual list, and I like to think that people are getting the message, um, but we still get these kinds of calls every single day. And as for the complaint about nail polish... What color did she get? What didn't she like? I'm not sure I didn't ask that question. (laughs) Jordan Armstrong, Global News. It must have been pink. It's it's comforting to know she didn't follow up, though. She's just sticking to the... (laughs) just doing the right thing. Who are these idiots? Uh, I know. It's very strange. Own 911 for such things. Okay. Yesterday was very interesting because we picked up a little something that happened on the ice between Travis Green and a backup goalie. It was loud enough that we could hear it all Uh the way from the bench where our camera was. Okay. Travis Green says yesterday's discussion between him and Anders Nielsen was no big deal. Today I'm talking with players. That one just happened to get a little heated. Travis Green is the kind of coach who will tell you what he thinks, sometimes at a higher volume. And when pigs fly, why this family pet probably has more air miles than you do. Coming up. Squire, he's back with Chris. sports. Yes, I am. Very excited. Um, the Canucks can get a win tonight, maybe? <laughs> well, we'll see. They've only had one since Bo Horvat went down. Yeah. I mean, there's other injuries as well, but we've talked many times. Bo Horvat is the key injury. Uh, hey, remember when a Blackhawks-Canucks game was circled on the calendar months before it happened, it was one of the NHL's best rivalries. That was Wolverine against Sabretooth stuff. Now it's not quite like that. Chicago is in town tonight, like the Canucks, outside a playoff spot, although the Hawks are closer than the Canucks. Uh, Jacob Markstrom starts in goal. Chicago is missing their number one goalie, Corey Crawford. He's on the injured reserve list. So they will likely start their own Swedish goalie, Anton Forsberg. He has a personal seven-game winless streak. And while we're on the subject of goalies from Sweden, let's go back to yesterday when Travis Green and Anders Nilsson got into a bit of a debate, perhaps about hockey, maybe politics, or whether Mamma Mia is the greatest musical of all time. You know the Swedes going to defend that. (laughs) Here's what we saw. There was a discussion, then Anders Nilsson uh, said something, then he gestured like this. I don't know what that means, but we do know what 
Travis Green said skating away, stop the puck, get in shape, stop the puck. And today he was asked about this exchange. That's just a conversation that I had with uh, Neely on the ice. I have a lot of them with players. Every day I'm talking with players. That one just happened to get a little heated. And uh, that's all it was. All right. Andre Vasilevsky, best goalie in the NHL right now, plays for the best team, Tampa Bay. Against Montreal, Habs power play is scoreless. Brendan Gallagher, we did a story on him a couple of weeks ago on how this guy is fearless. You see him go to the front of the net, tip it in, it's one nothing. Just before the end of the second, coaches hate the goal in the last seconds of a period. Nikita Kucharov, leading scorer in the NHL, back to Steven Stamkos. Stamkos has two in this game. It's 3-1 in the third. The Winnipeg Jets are going to have to play the next six to eight weeks without their best player. Mark Scheifele got hurt on this play last night against Edmonton. Crashed into the boards. Obviously an upper body injury. That's all they're saying. Possibly a shoulder, maybe a collarbone. Whatever the case, a point-a-game man is not in the lineup that will affect the Jets' offense. And Winnipeg to the tough division. They can't afford a long dip. They're already missing defensemen Dustin Bufflin and Toby Enstrom. There are four Canuck draft picks in this year's World Juniors. There's one of them right there. Uh, last night, Jonah Gajkovic, uh, Gajkovic make that, was Canada's player of the game in their win over Slovakia. American Will Lockwood is not in the lineup for the U.S. tonight against Slovakia. But we did see another great moment from Elias Pettersson in Sweden's win over the Czech Republic, which, before the game, had a near disaster during warm-up. Watch the guy putting the nets in the net. You're not supposed to shoot the puck while the guy's in the net putting the nets, and he has no helmet. That went right by his melon. Well, luckily, he wasn't hit. Okay. Marcus Davidson gets the first goal for the Swedes. That's a nice goal, but it's not as nice as Pedersen's goal. And so far in this tournament, we have seen him a lot just above the face-off circle, kind of like Brock Besser. In this game, he had nine shots on goal, but this one was the one that found the back of the net. Look at the patience from Pedersen. Look at this shot. Scored a goal in the first game of the tournament, much like that, with that wrist shot. 3-1 the final, Sweden over the Czech Republic. Ole Olevi, the other Canucks draft pick in this tournament. All right. He's not as spectacular as Patterson. He's solid, but hasn't really ripped it up. Had four shots today, no points, though. Yusuf uh, Valamaki with a goal there as uh, Finland easily beat Denmark, although the score could have been much worse. They had like 60-some-odd shots on goal. 4-1 the final. Well, if he wants, Johnny football could become Johnny Canadian football. Johnny Manziel has been told by the CFL they will approve a contract for him to play in this country. The Thai Cats have his negotiation rights, but only for 10 more days. He becomes a free agent if they can't sign him by January 7th. Now, a lot of people think Manziel could be Doug Flutie-like in the CFL. Smallish quarterback, great improvisational skills, just like he showed in college when he won the Heisman with Texas A&M in 2012 but Flutie was always a pro and Manziel has been a problem child he flamed out with the Cleveland Browns not taking his job seriously enough hasn't played football in a couple of years and if he's matured and his head's together he could prosper in the CFL but he won't if his attitude has not changed LPGA star Brooke Henderson the Canadian press female athlete of the year it's a great choice she won two LPGA events in 2017 
She also won this honor a couple of years ago. She actually had a slow start to this season, but then she got it together. Eight top ten finishes, five LPGA wins in her career, and she's only 20. Burnaby's Christine Sinclair finishing a tie for third in voting this year. There you go. Both worthy of it for sure, but great for Brooke. Yes. Thank, thank you very much, Squire. People flying with their dogs is nothing new, but how about flying with a pig? That story after a break. And if you're looking for something to do this New Year's long weekend, there's plenty going on. Here's our look at our top five. Hi, I'm Kasia Badurka, and here are your five things. The world-renowned Harlem Globetrotters are in town this weekend with three entertaining shows that'll get you laughing and fired up. Sit back and let the guys and girls impress you with their athleticism and comedy with one show in Vancouver and two in Abbotsford. On the last Saturday of each month, the Contemporary Art Gallery in Vancouver invites all ages to drop in for free activities and short exhibition tours. This Saturday, channel your inner artiste with earthy paints on canvas. The holidays are a great time to take the kids to a show, and the classic The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is on at the Waterfront Theatre. Expect mythical creatures, talking animals, quests, and secrets. On Sunday, skate to festive music surrounded by thousands of sparkling lights, real snow banks, and decorated holiday trees. Minaru Arenas is transforming into a winter wonderland, and you're invited. Ring in the new year at a family-friendly celebration in Whistler Village. There's two ticketed events. That'll be sure to please with lively entertainment, games, crafts, and an early kids countdown. Watch the fire and ice show and dazzling fireworks at midnight. For more on these, go to globalnews.ca slash five things. Snow report, some fresh heavy snow for a number of mountains across British Columbia over the last 24 hours. The base at Whistler Blackcomb, 164 centimeters, Grouse 188, Cypress 225, and Sasquatch 206. In the interior, Revelstoke, a base of 138 centimeters, Manning Park 123, and Powder King 151. Big White's base 152, Silver Star about 132, Sun Peaks and Apex, base is very close to 120 centimeters. Lots of fresh pow. All right, most people who have a pet will tell you they're family. And many have a hard time going away without their best friend, no matter what kind of animal we're talking about. Well, enter Christopher the Pig and his many adventures that are now being watched by people around the world. Meet Christopher. Jonathan and Marilyn Duguay rescued the mini pig about a year ago. I always wanted to have a, a pig. I thought they were animals which were super smart and very, uh, very kind and stuff. He loves to play with his toys, hunting for Cheerios in his ball pit. He even does tricks. Chris, Tom. Bravo. But none of this is what makes Christopher famous. 17,000 followers on Instagram. He didn't get those followers just by laying around on the couch. He got them here at the Golden Gate Bridge and in Times Square in California wine country in the deserts of Utah, and all the other places the Duguays have traveled with him. He loves sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Eating? <laughs> and he loves to travel with us. If you think it's tough traveling with a dog or a cat, try bringing along a pet normally thought of as livestock. It is a lot of paperwork, because when we travel with Christopher in the United States, we have to import him, just like the, um, uh, the, like the commercial pig. Yeah. And then we have to export him back. But to the Duguays, it's totally worth it because they hate being without him. Though his fame is growing by the day, they say Christopher calls the shots. 
It's not a circus animal. If he doesn't like it, we stop. He is a little shy and doesn't like being picked up too much. But with plenty of ideas for web series and TV shows floating around, Christopher the Traveling Pig might just become a household name. Dan Spector, Global News, Montreal. That's so funny. How so come funny. the pet cat doesn't get to go on any trips? Yeah. I know. Well, What's with the cat? Out. Why is the cat doesn't getting like short shrift? Not as much personality as Christopher, really, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a good name. You see, uh, you see the guy it, with the pig in the handbag in, in yeah, New, York New York City. You jump on the subway with a pig in a handbag, nobody would even look up. They'd be like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> whatever.